Good morning, guys. Welcome to NBC Church. Uh, this morning, we just thank you for joining us on this live stream. Uh, we're going to have some worship songs uh, today, as well as some preaching from Hebrews 2. Uh, but first, Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, and those of you that uh, maybe don't have kids yet or don't have kids at all, Happy Mother's Day. Uh, and we wish you the best today and yeah, bless you guys for what you do. Uh, but first, it's time for NBC Kids. Let's go. story, Tower of Babel. So part of God's story is about how people try to build a really big tower, and it goes like this. Remember when God created the world and it was perfect? Well, God created people to enjoy this perfect world with Him. There was no sadness, sickness, or death. Everything was good, and because people trusted God, they would get to live in this perfect world with Him forever. Unfortunately, people stopped trusting God. They disobeyed Him. And that's when all the wrong things in the world began. People made wrong choices, and their kids made wrong choices, and then their kids made wrong choices. So God decided to start the world over again through one guy, and it filled up with all kinds of people who had one thing in common. They spoke the same language. Today, people all over the world speak different languages. Maybe you speak English, or Spanish, or Mandarin, or Hindi. Well, back then, there was only one language, so everyone understood each other perfectly. One day, these people decided they wanted to build a tower, but not just any old tower. They wanted to build the tallest, coolest, most impressive tower in the world. A tower that would reach the sky so that everyone could see it. Basically, they wanted to show the world how great they were, all on their own, without any help at all. They tried to get to God, but one day, God would come to us instead. Kids, have you ever tried to do something on your own? Something to make everyone else think you're really cool or smart or important? Sometimes we want others to know we can do things by ourselves, and we don't want to give God any credit. Well, that's what these people wanted, so they started building. 
They stacked brick on top of brick on top of brick until the tower was taller than all the other buildings around it. Even though God loves it when we use our creativity to make things, He doesn't like it when we try to take the credit or glory that belongs to God. Because God is the one who created us in the first place. He gave us our brains so that we could think and dream, and He gave us our hands so that we could build and make all sorts of things. So really, we can't do anything on our own. So when the people built the tower to show how great they were without God, He decided to stop them by confusing them and making them all speak different languages. Now they couldn't understand each other at all. When one guy talked, the other had no idea what he was saying. It made it really hard to work together or even live in the same place. So they all scattered and moved to different parts of the world. They called the place where God confused them Babel. The great news is that people didn't have to build a tower to be with God because one day He would come to earth Himself to be with us and rescue us because He loves us. And that's the story of the Tower of Babel. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. God created a perfect world. People messed it up. God started the world over. The world filled up with people again. People wanted to build a tower to show how great and famous they were without God's help. God didn't like that. God confused them and caused them to speak different languages. They couldn't keep building their tower. They scattered across the world. God still loved them and had a plan to rescue them and us. And that's a part of God's story. Grace to trust Him 
Welcome to the preaching of the word this morning. We hope you enjoyed worship uh, and the kids segment. Again, happy Mother's Day for all the mothers out there. Uh, and those of you that um, don't have your own kids or even those of you that are grandmas or have even grown up not having kids. Um, we just welcome you in. We thank you. We know you do an absolute ton for the community and for the believers around us. Uh, and we just honor you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for um, this second chapter of Hebrews, Lord, that highlights how amazing you are, how superior you are to other things, and how much you mean to us, Lord. Um, we just thank you, Lord, that you made the world, the world was made for you, and that even though we're not together, we can still be together in a way uh, in these services and just chat to each other and get heaps out of the word. May the word speak to us this morning. May it be um, a word that we can remember and call back to, and that the Holy Spirit will help us uh, bring us to remembrance uh, of this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've entitled this morning's sermon, Don't Sail Away, and you'll see why soon. Uh, but we're going through Hebrews 2. Last week we went through Hebrews chapter 1, the entire chapter. We won't get through the whole of Hebrews 2, but we'll get through most of it this morning. Um, so we're going to read uh, the chapter first, and then we're going to dive in. So Hebrews 2, 1. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, 
lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? If we declared at first by the Lord, sorry, it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And this is called the founder of salvation, this next bit. For it was not the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? You made him for a little while lower than angels. Oh, sorry, or the son of man that you care for him. Uh, verse 5. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him for a little while, was made lower than angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom all, by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That's why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So, Hebrews chapter 1 focuses on the Son, on Jesus, his supremacy over creation, angels in his rightful place beside God as king. Chapter 2, therefore, begins with, therefore. And it says, therefore, we must pay closer attention. So we all know what therefore means. It means, why is there a therefore? You need to find out what the therefore is therefore. So, the author says we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, otherwise we'll drift from it. This means to pay super abundant attention to the doctrines and teachings of Jesus in this day and age. The word closer in closer attention is perisoteros, okay? Perisoteros, which means more frequently, more earnestly, and more abundantly. We must pay very close attention to our salvation, the claims of Christ, everything said in chapter 1, the price Jesus paid to redeem us. The salvation we have isn't a throwaway event. It's not a once I've got it, I move on doctrine. It's an eternal truth that literally changes us by God's Holy Spirit. It is incredible. So drifting away from this is possible, but only if with being swept away into false theology, a false Christology and a really low view of God. The Greek word for drift here is parahueo, which means to flow by like a sailing boat, sailing past without any direction or reason. And that's why I've entitled this Don't Sail Away. Matthew Henry tells us why this forgetfulness is so dangerous. So here's the quote. When we have received 
gospel truths into our minds, we are in danger of letting them slip. Our minds and memories are like a leaky vessel. They do not, without much care, retain what's poured into them. This proceeds from the corruption of our natures, the enmity and subtlety of Satan. He steals away the word. From the entanglements and snares of the world, the thorns choke the good seed. And those uh, meet with an inconceivable loss. Uh, who, who let gospel truths which they had received slip out of their minds. They have lost a treasure far better than thousands of gold and silver. The seed has lost their time and pains in hearing lost, and their hopes of a good harvest lost. All is lost if the gospel be lost. Matthew Henry. So verse 2 mentions the message delivered by angels. This means the law of Mount Sinai given by God. Okay? To the Israelites to obey. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, speaks of how if a lesser and more insufficient means of salvation was delivered to us through angels and through God directly from Mount Sinai, how much more should we heed salvation when it's given once for all by Jesus? Amen? We should be listening. How much more should we trust Christ for our souls now that he has spoken and given us the gospel? This law and covenant of works were so sure and steadfast that the penalties for neglecting it were huge. And the word for firm or steadfast means having many feet for strength. It's almost as if the old covenant had many feet to stand on. Now we have salvation once for all. Verse 3 says, How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? If was first, It was first communicated through the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And this is talking about escaping punishment if we simply drop the gospel and turn our backs on Jesus, resulting in eternal repercussions. How can we as believers have any hope without this salvation? The cost is too great. The penalty is too high. The price for sin cannot be borne by us. There is salvation in no other name but Jesus. There is no name given among men whereby we must be saved. Verse 4, while God bore witness by signs and wonders, uh, John Gill says this, has this to say about the amazing things the apostles did to confirm their apostleship and the, that the gospel that they were preaching was true. He says this, they confirmed the message by doing things such as taking up serpents without hurt, healing the sick, causing the lame to walk and raising the dead and casting out devils and the like, all which were the confirmation of the gospel preached by them, a sign, a wonder, or miracle, for these signify the same thing is a marvelous work done before men by the power of God to confirm the truth. To confirm a divine truth. So all of these wonderful, shocking sign gifts that the apostles did were proof Jesus was with these men. He was speaking with them and he wanted them to spread the message to the world. These wonders were not tricks to make people laugh or fun things to make people smile. These were powerful, full healings of people. You remember people being fully crippled, then suddenly straightening up and walking. That's why you don't see guys doing that these days is because the confirmatory things to spread the gospel and prove it was true aren't needed anymore. God still heals, yes, but the signs that the apostles did aren't necessary to confirm the gospel anymore. This is what always got me about the charismatic movement. And I left this movement years ago uh, because of the double standard of things like this and this kind of teaching. 
We were always taught that these miracles the apostles did were supposed to be the norm for every believer. And they put a weight on your shoulder, as in, do these miracles because Jesus did them, do them because the apostles did them. If you don't do them, you're not a true Christian, not a true uh, apostle, even though there are no apostles today, they're all dead. Uh, you are now uh, meant to be doing exactly as Jesus did and even better things than he did. We can't do those things. Jesus does those things because he's God in the flesh. That's what always got me about it. Um, I never saw one believer in my entire 28 years in the movement who could perform one of these miracles. The apostles did. Remember when Peter and Acts could walk through the streets and his mere shadow could heal people? Doesn't happen today. Remember how a young man named Eutychus fell out of a window and died sleeping through a sermon and Paul just raises him from the dead on the spot? You remember those things? Um, those things were done under the power of God to prove that the apostles' teaching was true. They needed the signs and wonders, not just the message, to confirm the message was true so that people would really, really, really listen. And God has ordained it that way. Nobody in that movement, the charismatic movement, could do those things, but they said we could. This is because the message of the gospel has been approved by the signs of the apostles that they did already. Now we have absolute proof the message was real and came in power and had the power to save. If everybody could do these things now, they'd be reconfirming and reconfirming and reconfirming the same message through the ages that has already been confirmed by the 12 men that confirmed it. This is why they were called the signs of the apostles. And we never learnt this in the charismatic movement. We were taught not to learn that. So verse 5. Again, states that Jesus has been given the rule over the world and that it was made for him, not angels. And that Jesus is the captain of our salvation later in verse 10. This means the leader, the chief, the head, the author, the uttermost highest ranks in salvation is Jesus. Verse 6 reminds us of our frailty and insignificance in the grand scope of the world. Chuck Smith, in his Through the Bible commentary, puts it this way when thinking about our tiny little lives. Check this out. Have you ever had that overwhelming experience of sleeping out, out up in the mountains or by a stream or out in the desert where you can see the Milky Way and you can see what looks like jillions of stars as you begin to contemplate the heavens above your head? The psalm really speaks to me. I've had this experience. I've considered the heavens and the work of God's fingers and of the stars and all that God has ordained. And I've thought, wow, what am I? We frail and capable and quite prone to sin created beings are thought of by God. Not just thought of, but adopted into his family through Jesus. We are then called not children, but sons and daughters. An adoption term, so this term sons and daughters, is an adoption term like when a family welcomes someone into their family who receives the same rights, privileges, food and financial covering, and even further does God provide protection, deliverance, comfort, a home, joy, peace, faith, the ability to forgive. God gives us these things because we're adopted into his family. Isn't that amazing? We're adopted in and given rights and privileges as if we were in there already. Verse 8, this describes how Jesus has put everything under his subjection, but that we don't see it all yet. We know this is true now more than ever. We've gone through a pandemic. Okay, All sickness and pain isn't removed from the earth yet. There's people dying in Italy and New York by the like thousands. 
um, thanks to this Chinese pandemic. It's absolutely crazy. God hasn't removed all sickness, pain, death, and sorrow from this world, but he's already overcome it. He hasn't removed all bad feelings, bullying, rude TV, and rampant violence, but he has already overcome it. He prepares a place for us that is built in heaven, and his death and resurrection has proved that he's still building. He's still working. He hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't conquered every enemy. Sorry, he has conquered every enemy. Has. He's conquered every enemy and now patiently wants the world to know the gospel through people like you and me. And just remember, if God, like if he was super duper non-patient, he would have actually have just wiped out the world like a long, long, long time ago and gotten rid of all evil and just not had any more people anymore. He's being very, very patient with people, very patient to finally defeat the enemy and defeat all sin once and for all uh, and wipe it off earth once and for all because he's super patient. He's long-suffering. He wants nobody to perish but everyone to come to repentance. That's why he's waiting. He has not left us. He still wants the world to know the gospel through people like you and me. So you Gerakis listening, Lewis's, Goddard's, Robertson's, Bambrick's, Gentsch's, uh, new guys in the Facebook uh, that were added just this morning, uh, Mills's. He needs you guys to spread the gospel. He needs the message of repent and believe in Jesus out there because he doesn't want the world to perish. This seems foolish, but this is his method for reaching the world. It's using frail people like me. I'm not uh, any, by any stretch of the imagination, a uh, all put together guy who has everything perfect. Absolutely not. I've got many, many, many flaws. And so do we all. But God uses us anyway to share the gospel, like we're doing this morning. When you share this in social media, this is the gospel going out to the universe um, for free from our homes. Like there's nothing more beautiful and brilliant than that to do, to share the gospel with people, even during a time like this in a pandemic when that people need hope more than ever. So that's all from me from uh, Hebrews 2. Don't sail away. I'm going to give the slides to you guys again. Uh, I have uploaded this already on a podcast, but uh, I did it with speech synthesis and it just sounds nowhere near as good having <laughs> someone that's not real speaking it out. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to upload this. Thank you for watching, guys, and uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that is true. It is the more sure word. Uh, and Lord, it pierces the soul. It divides what it needs to divide. It does its work. And thank you, Lord, that you have conquered all these things that even though we might not see all sickness gone, we know you've beaten it once for all and that you will get rid of it one day when we get to heaven and then you uh, make the new earth. And just thank you, Lord, that you do that. You're always working for us, building a house for us, uh, and you draw people to yourself using people like us um, and everyone watching, Lord. Just help us, Lord, to be your stewards, to be your um, witnesses in the world and to not shrink back during a time like this. And when we get together again, whenever that is, help it to be more sweeter, more powerful, more potent. Uh, help us to really, really knuckle down and work hard at reaching souls in Naracourt and beyond, Father. In that region that desperately needs you. There's so many people that are so lost. They're so affluent. They have so much stuff and they have no hope whatsoever after this life. So help us to reach those people in your precious name. Amen.
Thanks for watching, guys. Just uh, moving into a time of worship now, and uh, we will see you on the chat. Bye-bye.
as commands of the host of heaven Who else can make every king bow down Who else can whisper in darkness trembles Only a holy God What are the beauty such praises what are the splendor that shines the sun what are the majesty rules with justice only a holy could offer his only son who else invites me to call him father only a holy God only my holy God
Savior who 